Hey mamas, I'm Alyssa, registered dietitian, picky eating specialist, and mama of two. You're listening to the Nutrition for Littles podcast, aimed at helping you raise healthy, independent eaters. Each week, we will tackle topics like picky eating, mealtime struggles, baby led weaning, and so much more. Let's jump right into today's topic. All right, you guys, I have to sneak in really quick and let you know of something exciting happening. I'm teaching a free class all about how to help your little ones actually try new foods. This class is highly requested and has helped so many parents of picky eaters. In fact, after I taught on this, I got a DM that said this, what kind of magic is this? I came to your class and the next day, my son ate green beans, a food he hasn't eaten since he was a baby. And honestly, I don't even feel like I had to do much of anything. Just follow your steps and advice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So clearly I don't want you to miss this class. So click the link in the description box below to save your spot and I will see you there. Don't worry. You'll get the replay if you can't make it live. Plus stick around and I answer all the questions that you have at the end. Plus I talk a little bit more about my table talk program and if it's a good fit for you. But either way, you will walk away with actionable strategies and tips to put into place that same day. All right. Click the link in the description box below to grab your spot. And now back to the show. All right. Hello. Hello, you guys. I'm so excited you're back for another week, particularly excited because I have a very special guest for you. She's known as the Allergy Chef on Instagram. And Kathleen, can I pass it over to you to do a quick introduction of who you are, what you do? And can you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah. So my name is Kathleena and they call me the allergy chef. It's kind of a joke, but it's not. Um, It's funny how we got that name because so I have over 200 food allergies and food intolerances. I'm also contact airborne allergic to several things. Several of my allergies are life threatening and uh, I can't drink most water. I was given 30 days to live a few years ago. And after not dying, we were like, okay, everything in my head, we've got to get it somewhere because it can help a lot of people. And that's actually how we ended up with the allergy chef, like allergic to everything because um, I don't eat 99.9% of my creations. You know, we've got, you know, six cookbooks and hundreds of recipes on our online platform. And we've done like so much stuff and people kind of look at that and they go, wait, you don't eat it? And I go, no, they're like, well, how do you know how to make it? And I'm like, ah, that's the trick. Um, So I've oftentimes been called the Beethoven of the kitchen because, um, you know, he was able to compose music after losing his hearing and, I was able to create food even though I can't eat it. So um, that's me in a I nutshell. Love that. The um, the diagnosis process was very long and painful in that I was undiagnosed most of my life uh, because I was not experiencing full on anaphylaxis that required an EpiPen. I was I'm as I'm a complex case, um, and even though the word allergy was you know on my charts, like they knew I was allergic to certain things or. You know, I was I was one of those complainer kids like, oh, I can't eat such and such. Oh, this bubble like nobody ever said, hey, food allergy test. Right. Um, in fact, you know, a lot of people think that I resent my life or whatever. Truth be told, the only thing I resent in all of this is that not a single specialist or doctor when I was a kid growing up said food allergy test. Wow. Um, there was an incident when I was a teenager where I basically had like a 36 hour seizure. It wasn't quite a seizure, but it was like Ugh. nonstop shaking. It was pretty ridiculous. And um, they brought, they just kept bringing in more specialists, you know, heart specialists, brain specialists, this, like, and they just kept grilling me. You can imagine this kid shaking 
what happened? Truly. I ate the food and this started. Literally, they kept asking me what happened. And I, it was the same story. I ate this food and this started. And then they were like, cool, let's do this. Let's hook you up to these monitors. Let's do Nobody said food allergy tests. I could have been spared years of suffering had just one person said, you know, she ate the food. She started shaking. <laughs> and she keeps telling us this. I wonder if there's a connection here. Hmm. Should we maybe do a food allergy test? Right. Wow. Like years of suffering could have been saved. Um, yeah. But no, that did not happen. That's actually the only thing I, I'm upset about is that one thing. Um, beyond that, like, you know, I get it. Like, um, this is who I am. And, you know, the thing about food allergies and food intolerance that you can get into this boat by so many ways. Right. Like some people are legitimately just born that way. We've got a kid who was from the day he was born, deathly allergic to milk. Right. Um, You've got some people where it develops over time. You know, you can develop an allergy or an intolerance at any time. There is some interesting research in the whole seven-year theory about how the body can shift over time. And, and mm -hmm. that's actually really interesting. And then you've got leaky gut. And then you've got environmental. And you've got all these different ways, right? But at the end of the day, I'm not necessarily here to, to get you your diagnosis. I can tell you, like, the different tests and different doctors and all that sort of stuff. But my real mission is to help you once you get your diagnosis. Once you know what you cannot eat, that's where I walk in and say, hey, guess what? <laughs> because, you know, it's like somebody, I've seen this before, they'll, they'll be told they're allergic to black pepper. And they literally go, there's nothing to eat. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> You're like, excuse me, <laughs> have on. you seen my list? Wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do you want to trade? Because I'll take black pepper in a heartbeat. Surely, like, yes. Give me the black pepper. I will take your list, right? Yes. Um, and so I'm here to show you and the world, there's so much to eat. I don't care if you have 10 safe foods or 10,000 safe foods. I don't care what it is. I am going to show you how to make the safest and most deliciousest food ever, period. Because like that Cab Calloway song, everybody eats when they come to my house. I mean <laughs> it. I'm going to figure out what you can eat and it's going to be awesome. Um, you know, if, if you take nothing else from today's episode, let's just say it up front. There is always going to be safe and delicious food. Yes, elbow grease might be required. And I think that, you know, that's, I try to help people reframe this all the time because people always tell me how hard it is to live with food allergies. I say, no, 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 it's actually not hard. It's inconvenient. There's a difference. Yeah. Pushing a, a 1,000 pound stone, that's hard. This life is not convenient, hmm. right? can't just run to the store for something we have to be our own store right we have to plan in advance we have to think these things through and yeah it's more hoops than the next guy has to jump through but everybody's got their thing and, and i'm not saying it's not like hard with quotation marks like it's hard but it more than anything it's just it's inconvenient and once you hit your stride one day you're gonna wake up and you're gonna be like you know this really isn't so bad because you've got a freezer full of muffins and you've got the tools and you know all the safe brands and you've got a pantry full of safe ingredients and you know everything's fine and and suddenly it's like this is so manageable like like you look back on the day you were diagnosed and and that was hard i can remember standing in a grocery store wanting to cry because here i am in a store of thousands of things and i could buy like one item literally one oh, man. um yeah and it's like that's hard that first day that first shopping trip whoo you feel it but then it gets easy. Like, just listen to the sound of my voice. It sounds easy because <laughs> Very calming. you get there, right? Yeah. It's easy. Yeah. Yeah. And especially once you start to find the resources like you provide, 
I 100% have been in those in those like clinician shoes telling the mom that who just received a diagnosis about their child saying, I promise you it will get easier. It feels like a mountain right now and it feels really overwhelming, but just like anything, right? When we're newly diagnosed anything, I had a friend who had type one diabetes um, late onset and same thing for her. She's like, I have to what with what and needles and insulin and and math and all this stuff. And now she's a pro- she's better at it than I am as a dietitian who learned about it. We were talking about off air a little bit. There's like the knowledge, but then there's the application. And all of a sudden, once you start applying it day after day, it becomes easier. So I think that's so helpful. And I know that's something that you and I both wanted to kind of put the moms at ease who are listening right now and dads who maybe they just received a diagnosis about their little one. Maybe it's peanuts, maybe it's eggs, maybe it's multiple things that their child is allergic to. What would you say to that parent right now? So I would say, so this is the advice I give everyone. There's three things you want to do. Number one, you're going to um, feel sorry for yourself. You're going to grieve that loss. For some of you, you might be avid bakers and all of a sudden your child cannot have 75% of the foods you're used to working with. For you, maybe you had planned on teaching your child how to bake and you know you already bought them an apron and baby's first onesie or whatever, right? And um, it's a real loss. And I want you to take the time to acknowledge that loss because if you mm-hmm. don't, you start to resent it. Um, the next thing is to, it, I mean, it's, this applies if you are diagnosed, like you would satisfy a sweet tooth if you have a sweet tooth or a savory tooth. In the case of a parent though, the next thing is to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, tap into the resources and just get busy doing because, you know, in the case of a child, there's a few things I want to tell you. Number one, you are your child's sword and shield. This child depends on you hundred percent. They already depended on you hundred percent. But now it's like extra, right? Mm-hmm. Because especially at first when you're not even comfortable feeding your child, it's not like you can call your babysitter and be like, hey, can you come over for 20 minutes, right? Yeah. Unless the babysitter is there to like help you prep food or, you know, do something non-food based, you're kind of like in square, square, square one, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're in a lot of square ones all at once and it's a huge learning curve. So take it easy on yourself, right? If you're like me and you always have a to-do list of 50 things, like dump your to-do list. Like, let's take some baby steps here. Um, The next thing I would tell you is to not experiment on your child. Hmm. A lot of people don't realize this, but some allergists, Lord bless them. I I love them for what they do. But some of them will tell you things like, oh, their numbers are low. It's okay to feed it to them. Okay. As someone who has numbers all over the board, I will tell you several things. Number one, the numbers do not indicate the severity of the reaction. Hmm. Okay. The numbers do not indicate how your child will feel after ingesting that food. The only thing that can indicate that is real world what happened when your child ingested that food. Now, if your child does not suffer from anaphylaxis and they're like me and they're a complex case and you're feeding them all these foods that had supposed low numbers, let me tell you, that stuff hurts like H-E double hockey sticks. Yeah. Can I say that on Oh, yeah. I can. <laughs> okay. It does, though. Um, yeah. You know, here's the thing. I could have an allergist look at my results and go, oh, you should be able to eat apples without a problem. Please. If I eat an apple, my throat starts to get jacked up. My intestines are jacked up. I am in pain, okay? Mm. Even though it's supposedly a mild allergy. Don't believe the hype. So assume the test is true. When your child is old enough for what I like to call fully informed consent, then start messing around. Think of it this way. Do you want someone to experiment on you or do you want someone to experiment with you? And it's the same thing with your kid, because here's the thing. If your child cannot say to you four hours after ingestion, hey, by the way, I still have this raging headache from that food you fed me earlier. If they can't say those words to you verbatim, 
they can't help you with the diagnosis, which means you're kind of just torturing this person without even realizing it half the time. Yeah. And people don't realize that if you're dealing with a complex case, that sudden lethargy, your kid just didn't need a nap. Your kid's literally passing out from the food you fed them, right? Mm -hmm. Your kid is not screaming their head off because they need a change. They're just screaming their head off because they're in so much pain, but they don't know how to tell you that. You know, sometimes when I'm in all the pain that I'm in from even supposed safe foods, I sit and I think, man, if I were a baby right now, I'd be the worst baby because I'd just be crying like nonstop. And that's that's really what I'm trying to tell you. We've had so many parents come to us to say, thank you for what you do, because my kid was crying all the time and I couldn't figure out why. So I finally just eliminated all this stuff and now they don't cry anymore. And I'm like, well, wow. there's your answer, right? Yeah. Like, congratulations. You know, like we've had some parents who say, you know, and, and keep this in the back burner of your mind. When they would lay the child down, the child would scream. Well, it turns out it was an undiagnosed severe milk allergy and it was triggering really bad GERD reactions in this child. So as soon as the change in altitude, it triggered the, you know, the esophagus response. And it was like this whole thing with this particular child. And, and so it's, it's things like that where people aren't necessarily making the connections. We had another parent who they were like, my child refuses to eat. And I was like, okay, let's solve it. Show me what you're feeding your kid. And then I said, show me what they're allergic to. Well, more than 50% of the list were things that they had tested positive as allergic to. And I'm like, wait, 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 why are you feeding them this stuff? Mm -hmm. the, the answer was the doctor said it was okay. And because this parent had no point of reference, no food allergies themselves, they believed that doctor. And, and I feel bad for everybody involved because doctors genuinely believe that they're telling you the right thing. Right. And I bet you it's doctors without food allergies themselves. That's why they're saying this stuff. And then of course the parent has no allergies. So the parent believes this doctor, which they should, they should be able to believe it. But then the child suffers and then the child is so afraid because every time they eat they're in pain Ugh, yeah and i can tell you from firsthand experience every when i eat and i'm in pain i'm like i hate food i never want to eat food again yeah and then i might go a few days without eating because i just don't want to deal with it mm -hmm. right so if i as an adult can tell you these things i want you to now recognize your child is feeling the exact same things that i feel they just don't have the words for yeah. I'm giving you these words. I'm trying to communicate on behalf of your child who can't do it yet and say, please just feed them the safe foods until they are old enough to actually help and tell you other things. Because until then, if it's not safe, if they're not in the clear, you're dealing with pain, you know? And then of course the question is, how do, how do I know it's safe? Well, number one, we've got a lot of resources on our website, raise, go raise.net. You can go there. But um, lots of toddler resources. Click on the toddler resources button um, and that'll kind of get you where you want to be. But the reality is, is that, you know, let's say your child tested as allergic to 15 foods. Those 15 are off the table, period. If your child eats everything else, you can keep a food journal, right? We've got resources for that too. So I'm not gonna go too far into it. But let's just assume everything's perfect. Your child eats on a schedule, sleeps on a schedule, goes to the bathroom on a schedule. Like nothing's out of the ordinary. Everything's perfect and peachy. You found your list, keep going, right? It's when there's an anomalies or when something goes wrong, that's when you have to say, okay, is this food, environment, water, or something else, right? And you have to kind of just start going through the process of elimination. And the thing is, is as someone who's walked 10 miles in a lot of people's shoes, what it really comes down to is are you dealing with a child who historically has quick and obvious reactions 
Or are you dealing with a child who historically is a complex case with stuff all over the board? Hmm. If the first, I actually like to start with everything but food. Because if they always have quick and obvious reactions, maybe you're dealing with something else. Maybe this is not a new diagnosis, but I don't know, like something else. All the other things that go wrong in a kid's life. Right. It's right. um, a really big list. And then, of course, if your child is historically a com complex case, yeah, we're going to start with a food journal. We're going to start with everything food. We're going to start looking at when are these things happening? What's the pattern? We're going to put on our science hat and we're going to start determining what's going on and then making educated choices and then moving forward. And eventually you're going to get there. So, it, you know, just keep working at it because at the end of the day, I can tell you from firsthand experience, neutral is worth it. When you're not in pain, you can function, you know, yeah. It, think of it this way. We want our kiddos to meet all these milestones and do all these things, right? If your kid is in so much pain every day, do you think they can do well at tummy time? No, they can't. <laughs> they're too distracted. Yeah. Right. We want them to say their first words and we want them to develop all these cognitive things. They can't do that if they're too busy dealing with pain right. or if their body is constantly diverting resources to repair mode. Right. So let's give them the little push they need so that they can then be the best kiddo that they can be. Absolutely. I absolutely love bringing this attention to like, they're not able to communicate it to us and we can't assume, right? And this is yeah. actually the exact same thing I teach about hunger and fullness, right? Because some parents mm. will say, oh, you need three more bites. Well, who says you, you cannot feel how hungry your kid is. And I'm sorry, but you know, it's always this thing that I have to remind parents of because it's very easy to say things like, oh, you need to take X number of bites more. But really what we're trying to teach them is stay in touch with their hunger and fullness cues. But then we say something along the lines of you need X, Y, or Z. And we really just can't do that. And they're still in the beginning phases of being able to communicate their hunger and fullness. And they're not going to be able to communicate their hunger and fullness if we don't teach them to stay in touch with it. And it's like this cycle. And no, you're kind of talking about the same thing. No, it's funny. We don't do that to babies. When right. a baby stops, we let them stop. Exactly. We don't go, oh, no, no, no. Here, baby, take some more. Yes. We say, oh, clearly the kid's full and we let them stop. Yep. But for whatever reason, once they can sit up or something, switches. we take that away from them. But yeah, we shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just very normal in social situations to see other parents doing that. That was actually part of my story is watching other parents say that to their kids. And I was like, six months to a year behind them in parenting, you know, and so I'm like looking up to them and I see them do this and I'm like, I, this, something's off and I don't know what it is. But some of this just kind of gets passed on and from our grandparents or parents saying, oh, you should have them finish their plate. I made you finish their plate, all these things. But I loved right. how you talked about this with pain is they can't communicate it. Maybe they'll cry, you know, maybe they'll kind of feel discomfort and you'll, you'll look at it as behavior issues when you're like, no, yes. no, it's not behavior. There's something yeah. maybe behind that. And that's where the food journal comes in clutch. And this is true. You know, I want to say it's unfortunate, but it's actually not. It's such a blessing to be so close to our kids that we notice things that others can't. And having that connection and sitting together and eating so you know, hey, when I feed them an apple, something doesn't go right, whereas that doctor doesn't know that. And listen, we both have utmost respect for doctors. Like she said, we do believe that they are coming from a place of what they believe is true. But like you said, we are their protectors. We are with them. We notice things that other people just don't. It's so funny. Like when grandma comes over and picks up my kid, it's like, oh, I know they're going to get upset even before they get upset just because of the way they were turned or the type, you know, whatever it might be. And you just know that. It's just that intuition of spending time with them day in and day out. And I think that's such a great tip, that food journal. And just seeing, is there a connection? What's going on here? while also not purposely 
testing your kid or, or experimenting them yeah. on them. Um, let's back up a little bit and talk a little bit. I know you said kind of from the diagnosis on is where I thrive, but let's talk just a little bit about these tests because you keep saying they tested for these foods and, and I've heard mixed messages about these food allergy tests and how good they yeah. are and which ones to use. So can you oh, just touch goodness. on that a little bit? Yeah. Please, let's do. Yes. Okay. So one thing that they never tell you up front, testing on children is umpteen times harder than testing on adults. Mm, great. So, um, you get more inaccurate results both ways testing mm. on children than you do on adults. Period. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. You just do. Um, then there's the argument, skin test versus blood test. Right. Right. At the end of the day, you got to test. Pick one. Yeah. Uh, or do both. In my case, it was all done via blood. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, Certain foods, because I'd already been food journaling a little bit, it was there was no need to follow up in terms of like an oral challenge. Right. Whereas other foods, it was like, huh, you know, I tested positively allergic to XYZ. I've actually not eaten this food in 25 years. Let me go eat one. Sure enough, I should not have done that. Um, yeah. And so for me, what we learned was those blood tests were incredibly accurate. Mm. So you're going to get hit and miss results. It's unfortunate. Can you predict which brand is going to be better? No, you cannot. Yeah. Um, then, of course, they there's this mentality of you can do a blood test and sometimes even a skin test. Test is positively allergic and never actually have a reaction, mm-hmm. right? And this this isn't quite mast cell. Mast cell starts to get on this, which is a whole different illness, which we're not going to talk about. Well, I mean, if you want to, we could, but... I won't jump in too far because it's actually a really advanced illness. Yeah. But point is, um, sometimes, and this is not every case, but sometimes the worst thing you can do for a person is to remove a food they have tested positively allergic to that they don't react to. Because in their specific case, it means that the body could react, but it's not already, which means there's a level of tolerance but if you remove that level of tolerance, you've now increased the odds of a reaction in the future. Yes. Okay. I'm so glad so, you talked about that. Yes. Yeah. So it's, and, and the worst part is, and, and I want to stress this to you all. And unfortunately, this is not going to help you, me telling you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Food allergies and food intolerance, because they're two different things, IgEs, all different mediated. There's actually five. It's fascinating the whole science behind it. But it is not the same as type one diabetes. Mm-hmm. Type one diabetes is the perfect example of everybody has the same treatment plan. Right. Okay. I mean, obviously the, there's the math involved and all that sort of stuff, right? But everybody has the exact same treatment plan. Pretty much everybody has the exact same cause. Everybody pretty much has the exact same underworking science. Everybody's basically the same. It doesn't matter what your race or your gender is or your age, nothing. It's basically the same thing, mm-hmm. right? We know how to treat type one diabetes across the board, period, hard stop. Food allergy and food intolerance, we are the wild, wild west. It is crazy because you can take two people allergic to the exact same thing, get two different allergic reactions. One person, it'll be mild. They'll be like, oh, you know, my skin itches just a little bit. The other person, they're in the ER and they need six EpiPens, okay? Totally different reactions. You don't get that from type one diabetes. They're all the same, right? So. What happens to you is unique to you, unfortunately. I can tell you a million stories 
And unfortunately, a scientist will walk in and depending on their specialty, be like, oh, well, that's not true. Actually, guess what? It was true for those 10 people. Yeah. Please don't miss their experience. And that's the problem with modern day science medicine. Everybody's like, oh, you got to trust the science. Oh, you got to do this. Oh, actually, you don't. Yeah. What you need to do is look at your experience and ask yourself, what is this for me and my child? Because that's the only reality that matters. If your child tests as not allergic to apples, but every time they eat an apple, they develop a skin rash, stop feeding them apples. Are they really going to die because they can't eat apples? No. Like, that's we off air we were talking about marketing right yeah that's the marketing element and what bugs me sometimes is when an allergist who is like your child is allergic to black pepper we need to do everything we can to make sure your kid can eat black pepper we need to do oit for black pepper and we need to re you know do the top like wait hold on why can't we just eliminate the black pepper right who's gonna die from not eating black pepper exactly okay. so that's like that's my thing now, I get it. Going out to a restaurant and buying packaged food, if you're allergic to black pepper, that's what the people, that's what they're not telling you. It's harder. Yeah. But you get my point. You know, and and the thing about it is that, in fact, let's touch on OIT for a hot sec, because some allergists are going to be really pushy. Number one, you are your child's sword and shield. Number two. For our listeners, doctor, can you explain what that is? Oh, oh, the sword and shield? The OIT. Oh, yeah. I was going to tell you that. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. So <laughs> you are your child's sword and shield, right? Yeah. Number two. Um, doctors work for you. Hire and yes. fire as you see fit. If they're pushing you around and you don't like it, walk away. Yes. Number three, you don't have to do anything you're not comfortable with. Let me say that again. You don't have to do anything you're not comfortable with. Yes. If they are asking you to do OIT on a child with crazy wild reactions, and you've already been to the ER 10 times and you're like emotionally scarred, say no. Yes. You don't have to. Okay. So OIT. Oral immunotherapy, it's this whole treatment where they try to reintroduce tolerance so that your child can. Okay, so there's two different mentalities. For some people, to do it so that your child won't die of anaphylaxis. Yeah. They're not trying to get your kid to drink a gallon of milk. They just don't want your child to die from minimal exposure, right? right? The other camp, they're like, I want my kid to drink a gallon of milk, okay? So two different camps. Doesn't matter which camp you're in. If you choose to do it, know what you're getting yourself into. Um, number two... Keep in mind, are you experimenting on your child? Like that needs to be at the forefront of your mind. Number three, and this is probably the most important thing that they don't tell you up front. You can absolutely lose immunity. In fact, a kid recently died from this. Um, depending on when you're listening to this recording, I think it was about two months ago. Mm -hmm. um, this little girl, she actually passed OIT and then she died from an allergic reaction to what she had supposedly passed from. I have read countless stories online from different people of all different ages, genders, and races where they have lost tolerance. And we're talking people who followed their maintenance doses to the T. They just woke up one day and it was gone. Yeah. I don't say that to scare you. I'm saying it because I am personally in the camp of why do we need this ingredient? Right. Like you can't have X, Y, Z. Cool. Let's walk away from it. Like, why are we torturing ourselves and jumping through OIT hoops? Like even me, I have nine safe ingredients, you guys. I don't do OIT. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I've walked away because I see how good it feels to not eat those foods. People tell me all the time, oh, I don't know how I would survive without such and such. Listen, when such and such tries to kill you, yes. you survive real fast. You figure it right? out real quick, right? You, you do. You really do. You know, something we often tell parents, would you feed your child rat poison? If the answer is no, why are you feeding them allergens? Hmm. 
let's just put that out there because that's the equivalent for your child that is a poison well, and if you're I, not willing to feed them poison don't feed them what they're allergic to and i truly and, truly and really focusing in on the fact that you're i love the way you put it it's just like you're their protector and there yeah. is no there's no award or stars given out to kids who can drink the things even if they're like allergic to it right it's like what's the benefit right. you're getting there and we talked a little bit on off air so i think it's a great time to kind of talk into this it's like okay so we walk away from those ingredients there's a plethora of food out there there's like you were saying there's flowers out there people have never heard about there's fruits and vegetables that people have never heard about because they're not mainstream because they're not offered you know maybe in like the front area of the grocery store but they're still there and we can still find variety and still find you know excitement and and uh, satisfaction in the food that we prepare without those ingredients without those foods that truly are potentially poisoning us in a way and um, and I think that's really cool and that's something you do so well and um, and that raise does you know that you have all these Anyways, I'll let you talk about it, but let's talk a little bit about that, how they can still find variety, how they can still find excitement and cook and bake for their kids or for themselves um, using these new ingredients. Yeah. So, you know, in in conjunction with that statement, nutrition as well, right? We were talking about that to you and I, it's that, and and I think you've actually pegged it. It's about what's at the front of the grocery store, right? Right. We, when we think of produce, we think apple, banana, carrot, broccoli, celery, like we think about what's hugely used all the time. And so if your child is suddenly allergic to those five things, you're like, wait, but there's nothing to eat because I've only ever done this in a grocery store. Before, exactly. Right? It's so narrowly, narrowly scoped. When the truth is, is if you just head over to the Asian part of the grocery store, you're going to automatically see like 50 new things you've never seen before. Truly. Right? Um, and so what I like to tell people, you want to think in a few different ways when it comes to food. Number one, color, right? Color is awesome because we get different pigments, different types of nutrition, you know, purple cabbage and green cabbage, two different nutritional profiles, Mm -hmm. right? Similar flavors, but kind of not really, but kind of depending on the cabbage and, um, you just get different stuff from it. And then also you want to think about texture and temperature, right? Those three things with those three, if we focus on those and then apply those concepts to what is safe for you and your children, um, you end up with a lot of safe foods. So let's look at a potato. Let's say white potato is a safe food for your child. We can, number one, apply a whole bunch of different cooking techniques. We can boil it, we can mash it, we can roast it, we can broil it, we can slice it and do the Hasselbad thing, we can slice it thin, we can slice it thick, we can make a tater tot we can do so many things we can make hash browns right we can use an array of tools to create these different textures we can use different cooking methods we can then refrigerate said food right cold mashed potatoes versus hot mashed potatoes okay we can do so much with the potato that's just one ingredient don't forget okay i'm just gonna throw this out there for you guys you really want to get creative with your kids you can take a decorator bag and like tip 1m from wilton and put mashed potatoes in it and use it like pretend frosting and you can like frost meatloaf and meatballs and stuff i used to do all the time with the kids when they were little that's so clever um, right i used to make them cupcakes for dinner it was really funny the first time i did it they were like we're having cupcakes for dinner i was like yep we're having we sure are right and um they were a little shocked but they have fun (laughs) that's fun though that's fun Oh, I love right? that. Oh, I love that. And it's a way where you can like use the decorator tools without using a bunch of sugar and, you yes. know, yeah. coordination and motor, motor functions. Like have fun with your food. That's yes. what I'm all about. Right. 
Um, and so that, cause that's the thing, right? Let's say you have a child who, so we have a kid three, we call him lovingly Mr. Lono Sugar, right? Decorating with mashed potatoes, believe it or not, is way better for him than me making some weirdo like sugary concoction because he really can't do sugar. Right. But if I want him to have the experience of having the decorating, you know, right? Mashed potatoes is where it's at. So potato is one prime example of how we can take one ingredient, use it a whole bunch of different ways. Now, as I look around my kitchen, we've got a really nice dehydrator. We've got an ice cream machine with the compressor built in. That's actually really important, you guys. If you are dairy-free and or nut-free, especially combined or corn-free, you absolutely must buy an ice cream maker with the compressor. That is the law. That's the law. I like that it. That is the law. Yeah. Um, we've got three KitchenAid stand mixers. Don't ask. It's actually a long story. And then we've got um, a Nutri-Milk, which makes milk. If you are dairy and tree nut free and cannot do trace amounts, you will have to do milk at home yourself. Um, so we have our own milk maker and you can do like um, nut and seed butters in it. It also has like a smoothie bowl attachment. It's got cool. several things. It's really cool. Um, it's a little pricey, but it's worth it yeah. if you need it. Like if if you're in my boat, a Nutri-Milk is actually one of the first purchases you make. And then um, unfortunately we have two refrigerator freezers and two jumbo freezers. That's kind of embarrassing. Uh, we've got a deep fryer, two pressure cookers. One of them is an instant pot. One is a regular. We've got an air fryer, which I don't love. I think it's the brand that I bought, though. I've heard I good things love about my fryers. air fryer. What brand do you have? Just I have me. a Ninja. Oh, see, I got the GoWise, and then I got the big Ooh. one thinking it would be great. It's not. It's absolutely not. I've it, heard the too big of ones don't work as well because it's too much of the air. I don't know. I don't know. I, you know what? I've seen that little rectangly one and I'm almost thinking about getting one, but then I'm always like, eh, I'm a little scarred from my current experience from the air fryer. Yeah. Uh, and then of course we have an immersion blender. Uh, we've got a really big food processor, the kind that has the extra blades. It'll grate like carrots and stuff for you. Yes. If I just got that, one for Christmas. Go. Oh, good for you. I feel Come great about you. it. I'm super excited. Uh, we've got a double waffle maker, two tea, actually we have three tea kettles. Again, long story. Um, we've got a giant professional juicer, stock pots galore, like every tool you can imagine yeah. is in this kitchen because I don't want to miss out on anything, mm -hmm. right? Depending on the diagnosis, like for example, we have a meat slicer. How many people do you know with like a deli meat slicer? Not that many. One now. Got... Hey, I'm glad to be that one person. Um, guys, if you have a child with like, say a severe corn allergy, that's going to be purchase number two because you want your kid to have these experiences, right? Like there, there are certain tools where people then say to me, but it's so expensive. I agree with you. It is. Yeah. But here's the flip side. Two things. Number one, let food be your medicine. In today's crazy world, kids are sicker than ever before. Our kids went from literally one, in one year, I actually tallied it up amongst our four kids. There was something like 400 doctor's appointments in one year. It was insane. Wow. I switched everybody's diet. And the following year, they had four appointments combined. Yeah, exactly. So we went from spending oh, tens of thousands. Of I know, right? Listen, I feel like I am the poster child of a lot of good stories. Like, I got a few to tell. That's incredible. Um, and so we went from putting all that money into medical to putting all that money into groceries. And it paid off for us. Is it going to be that way for you? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on the boat that you're in, yeah. right? Our kids were prone to sickness. Our kids had certain issues. And then I kind of looked at the science of it all. I'm a researcher at heart. 
I love science and I love thinking and I do a lot of critical thinking. I'm not a victim of marketing, which I'm really grateful for because it's so easy to be in today's world. Yeah. And I've changed their lives, right? Through the power of food. And you can do it too. So what it means though, is that like, okay, for like the past 20 years, I own two pairs of shoes, right? Um, I have like maybe three pairs of jeans. Mm-hmm. I think actually maybe two. Don't quote me on that. But you see my point, right? Right. Like, we don't buy stuff. Priorities. Like kitchen tools, right? Yeah. Um, and that's how we did it. So I'm not saying you're going to run out and buy all your tools tomorrow. What you're going to do is prioritize. Now, yes. here's a big tip. I love giving this tip. It's actually one of my favorites. You, if you're listening right now, you probably have a little kid with a food allergy. What I want you to do is start a bank account and you're going to put in $20 a month to this bank account and you're never going to touch it. The day your child moves out, you're going to gift them this bank account or you're going to take all that money and buy them all the tools they need. Because when they move out, they need their own. Because like, if they're the only person with food allergies, they could, in theory, take the tools with them. Mm -hmm. But if you're dealing with multiple kids with multiple allergies or whatever, right, or you want them to have this tool or whatever, it's the best way you can gift it to them. Because at the age of, you know, 18, 19, 20 or whatever, they're not going to be able to afford all these tools. But if you've been saving up 20 bucks a month, which honestly, I think most people can swing it for the most part. Um, you don't, you don't feel it, but it's the ultimate gift. Let me tell you guys. That is so thoughtful. And it's just true, right? Like anything that comes in our, into our life, whether it's babies or food allergy, our priorities shift and our bank accounts reflect that, right? I mean, they just do already. And so to kind of be resistant to that is just silly, but like, especially if you have multiple food allergies, you're probably looking at eating out less, right? I mean, I, I think that's fair to assume even my mom who has celiac, she like is like, yeah, it's just not worth it to go to a place with an air fryer or a deep fryer that maybe it's contaminated. I don't even know. And so she just eats out less and not that she was ever a big like eater outer, but you know, it just shifts your priorities shift. And what's really cool about what you do supplying these recipes that you now correct me if I'm wrong, but you can search right for different types of food allergies oh, and the crossover. You. You've got all we the have things. Got the coolest thing ever. Yeah. We tell me all only, about it. We, okay. It is literally the most, and I'm not exaggerating because sometimes I do that, but I'm not this time. It is the most powerful tool online for people with food allergies, hands down. Because when you find most bloggers or writers, they're hyper-focused on whatever their niche is. Because I have over 200 food allergies and food intolerances, I don't have a niche. That's the beauty of me. I literally know how you're all suffering because I suffer with all of you, right? Yeah. So what that means is our advanced search tool, it has over 85 filters for individual allergens, wow. food groups, and specialty diets, and then special stuff on top of it. So let's say you want gluten-free, egg-free, apple-free, cinnamon-free, oat-free, onion-free. You plug all those in. Then you say, only show me pizzas. Or you say, only show me budget-friendly. Or you say, on top of that, I'm paleo and I'm vegan all of the stuffs. So what's really cool is wow. these are not or searches, these are and searches, which means all the results meet all of your needs. Wow. Now, sometimes you might need to make like one or two swaps and we tell you up front, like if you need to make a change. But what it means is that you don't have to sift through all the stuff. You get the happily ever after, like literally five clicks away. And then what's really cool is you can do two things. Number one, you can use your browser's bookmark bar 
So let's say you do your first search and it's for pizza. So you do all the things, you type in pizza, bookmark it, and then name your bookmark as my pizza. Hit the start over button, do it again. And now you don't, you only want dinners, right? Bookmark that. Every time you want a pizza, you go to your pizza saves. Every time you want a dinner, you go to your dinner saves. And then within the system itself, when you're logged in, there's a favorite button. So you can actually save like to your own little recipe box, your favorite recipes. Like wow. we got you covered start to finish. That's like, so incredible. The to, right? The best way to describe Braze is everything you wish you knew the day you were diagnosed. Oh. When you come out with that diagnosis, I literally take your hand and say, cool, let's go make something to eat now, right? Because you can. Like that tool, you just literally go boom, 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 done. I love that. I love that because you can, because you can, because there is still a way for you to enjoy food and make food and get all your nutrition from food, even just focusing on your safe foods. I love that. So this is, just to be really clear, this is through goraise.net is what you're talking about. Yeah, a raise platform. Perfect. And it's the membership, right? So there's like, it so looks like there's a free trial. What's really cool is you can, um, anybody can use the advanced recipe search. I like to tell people, even if you're not a member and you just want some meal ideas, go use the advanced recipe search. Like just plug in some stuff and just look at pretty pictures of food, right? Um, I actually do that sometimes just for kicks. And then um, if you're a member, you can actually see the recipes and stuff like that. But um, there's all sorts wow. of tools resources there yeah this is so incredible thank you I don't know I just feel like it's not my responsibility but I feel like it is to thank you for this because I get I get asked a thousand questions about allergies and I you know I I do my best I'm educated right I don't have the hands-on experience the the life or death the you know that I'm kind of in the doctor's boat a little bit I have a lot more knowledge I hope on food allergies but I still feel unprepared in my own experience of it and I just know there's something that shifts when you have when it's your baby, when it's your family, when it's you, it changes. And so for you to produce this coming from the the story, the background that you have is so incredible. And you can just tell how much passion you have for this. And I like, like creating recipes. I do, but like, I certainly don't like it enough to then go into it and <laughs> then start doing all the allergy stuff too. Like I'm like maybe top nine I could do those, but beyond that, you know, and then once you start compounding, it's, it's just, it's a different mindset and you have that mindset shift on lock and you're willing to share it with people. So thank you so much. And thank I, you for seeing me. Oh right? my gosh, truly. It's so funny the way my brain works too, because like you should see me sometimes when I go to developer SP, I'll grab something and be like, wait, if I grab this, I've just cut out this group, this group, this group, this group, this group, this group. This group. Should I use this? That's a lot okay, to filter if through. If I use this. And I've already kicked out those groups. That means I can use all these other ingredients too, right? Like, yeah. like literally for me, everything just works in these like pairings. Like if you don't right. use this, you can use that. But if you use this, you could use these other things because they can't have it anyway. So yeah. Really oh, and I'm, I just like took a look at the recipes. They yeah. look freaking good. Like that's the okay, cool thing. The pepperoni pizza dip is so cool. It's okay, like the cool to try it. Ever. I've never actually eaten it, but in my head, it's really good. I'll try it. I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's know. incredible. There's, if that's the case, I'll send you a list of things to try that I've always wondered about, right? That would be awesome. It's interesting. Okay, so 
I guess we'll wrap it up. We we talked about this off air. We could literally talk four hours. I know that we can. <laughs> there was like all these things that you said that I was like, oh, I could go off on that and I could go off on that. But we're going to stay focused, Alyssa. That's what we're going to do today. <laughs> but I just, I truly, I think this is so incredible that you've created this and that you're so passionate about it. So you guys, listener out there, definitely make sure you're following her on Instagram. Check out her membership and the advanced recipe search too, just on her website. I'll have it all linked down below. Um, I guess any final thoughts or anything you'd like to share with anyone who's listening right now who's feeling maybe a little overwhelmed, maybe even a little bit like, oh, what it, what what does my future hold? What does this look like? Or anything you want to share with them or ways also too to get in touch with you and and um, and find your recipes and all those things. All right, I'll share a few things. Um, so first thing I'm going to share is if you're concerned about your child's nutritional profile, get tested first. Yes. Don't start wildly supplementing because you can overdose, especially a little body. They're little people. Yes. Um, their requirements are a lot lower than a grown man's. And so sometimes we think about how much protein does my child need? And like you were saying, right, they don't need three full-size chicken breasts three times a day. Yes. Um, they just need a couple ounces for the whole day. It's okay. Right. Um, and so if you can understand your child's actual needs, then you can start researching. Um, like, for example, if you get the results back and, you know, some of the numbers are running on the lower side, we're not talking clinical deficiency at this point, just on the lower side, you can then research like foods that are naturally higher in those nutrients. And then just can, including those in your Sprinkle regular them offering, in. Yeah. Right? And, and all of a sudden, everything's fine. You're fine. Like, mm-hmm. unless your kid is getting really close to deficiency, we're talking within a 10 point number, in my personal opinion, everybody's going to be different. You know, we had a kid who he tested one point above deficiency and they were like, oh, everything's fine. I'm like, no, everything is not fine. Right. One point, you know, like that really upset me, but that's a whole different story. So you're going to have to decide for you, like, at what point do we start working on this actively? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, if you have signs of clinical deficiency, get tested, always start with the test because two things, number one, you need to know where you're starting, but number two, gives you a point of comparison so that you know if there's an absorption issue. Because if six months down the line, you've only improved by two percentage points, we have a bigger problem. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, And for those who are dealing with deficiency, practice good food combining. That's something that they don't tell you up front. But like certain things clash and certain things work together. And you can improve um, absorption rates with certain combinations. So whole different conversation for a whole different day. Okay. So that was the one thing I wanted to tell you. The other thing I wanted to tell you is... Like for, if if you're feeling overwhelmed and all that sort of stuff, it will get easier. I promise. Like it's, it's hard right now. You're probably listening to this thinking, wow, I got to do this, 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 like you, you, your to-do list just got infinitely longer. No, it didn't. Like, you're okay. You're going to make it. Like I, I have faith and confidence in you. The fact that you care enough to listen to this podcast, that you're this invested in your kid's future, you're already on the right track. You're going to be okay. Um, and again, you can get in touch with us. If you have a specific question, you can find us online. Um, Instagram is the only social media platform where we're actually active. Like we've got platform stuff everywhere, right? Like we've got a YouTube and a Twitter and a LinkedIn and all these things. And truth is, is I'm not good at any of it. Um, it's not my thing, but I'm a podcaster at heart. That's what I got. Thank you for being my people. Thank you. Um, so Instagram at the allergy chef, it's really straightforward. The allergy chef, uh, youtube.com forward slash the allergy chef, Twitter. Actually, I don't know the Twitter handle. Uh, who cares? Um, 
if you forget anything else, just go to theallergychef.com and that has links to everything. It's got links to our books and to raise and to social media. And if you happen to be listening to this and you're like brand newly diagnosed, um, we actually have a whole free program just for the newly diagnosed. And you can tap into that resource and we actually have like a special meal plan for you and a special class for you and just special extra special resources just to get you started right out of the gate because the day you're diagnosed in my personal opinion is absolutely the hardest day like that's the hard day yeah yeah absolutely well i will have everything i can linked up down below too to share all of your wonderful resources you've created and so much for free too and um it's just so so needed and so appreciated because and again another podcast for another day but the medical gaslighting is real in the picky eating and allergy space and you know parents just want to feel like not only do i know i'm the protector but i can protect them and you're giving them those tools so thank you for that and thank you for coming on and spending your time with me it was my pleasure we're gonna have to do it again because we literally we could talk about hours you need to be neighbors i would like, love it I, I, I need you to that. leave me drinks and I need to leave you cookies. I was going to say that's like, all I could offer her was drinks. <laughs> one day, <laughs> one day I could, I'll follow your recipes and bake them for you. <laughs> oh, that'd be so cool. That'd okay. be so funny. That'd be so fun. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you to everyone who has tuned in and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're walking away with some tangible ways to bring peace to your mealtimes. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and tell all your mom friends. And as always, the best compliment you can give me is leaving a rating and written review, which also helps other mamas like you find this podcast too. You can find more from me on Instagram at Nutrition for Littles. Do you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast? Email me at alyssa at nutritionforlittles.com. All right, until next time, mamas.